I on yet? Sweet, I am. Good morning, church. How are you guys doing this morning? Good. So my name is Jacob Arjon. I, alongside my beautiful wife, Tiffany, help lead the college ministry here in Lifeway. And it's, uh, it's great to be here this morning with you guys. And uh, Merry Late Christmas. Hope you guys' Christmas is great. And New Year's is coming up as well. I, I know some of you guys probably stayed in town. Maybe some of you guys went out of town for family. My wife and I went very much out of town. We were in New York for a couple of days. They went to Virginia for a couple of days, visiting her family, then visiting my family. I've realized now being married this time of season can be kind of hectic. It's a lot, it's, uh, you have two Christmases, because so, every sire wants to get a part of you guys, so it's, it's fun. So we actually just got in last night late from Virginia to LAX, so I'm a little tired today, but today's a good day, and excited for church. And uh, also, it's a good time because today's the, s- the second last day of the year. Tomorrow is New Year's Eve, and so it's a privilege to be speaking uh, the day before the end of the new year. And I don't know about you, but uh, New Year's Eve is actually kind of a funny time for me. Um, even the week beforehand can be kind of can be up or down depending on the year, right? New Year's Day is always fun. New Year's Day is always great. It's uh, Rose Parade, college football, and uh, just a uh, it's a, it's a new year, so new slates, endless possibilities, a new hope that comes with it. But the week beforehand, it, it can be kind of a bummer sometimes. Because I, as many people, reflect back on the year prior, and I see what went well and all that went wrong, and I tend to have regrets as I reflect back. And then I, I'll fish out my old New Year's resolutions, and that will solidify my regrets. Like, man, I... I did nothing this year, <laughs> and I, and now I definitely feel like a loser, right? And so, I, I, am, I, am I the only one here? Am I the only one that feels like the year, the week before New Year's could be kind of a bit of a downer, depending on the year, right? A lot of I wish it could have, what could have been. And so, I want to be able to have an encouraging lesson today about how to uh, have a good next couple hours here before the New Year's ends, a reflection, but also be very excited for the new year. Uh, and I think that the, the crux of it is that we want to have happier years, right? And if our year beforehand wasn't as happy, we want to have a better year next year. And so the title of my lesson today is going to be p- The Pursuit of Happiness. And there you go. Hope that works. Sweet. Awesome. Have you guys seen that movie, the Will Smith movie? So most of us probably have. He probably sh- he should have won an Oscar for that. That was a great movie. And so we might watch a clip at the end of that movie, but... Uh, Great movie, uh, but we're going to talk, talk about the pursuit of happiness this morning. And I want to specifically look at a story in the Bible where three different men had three different approaches to how they were going to achieve their happiness. And I want to go into detail of the downfalls of two of them and the spirituality of one. And again, I hope this lesson gives us a great uh, momentum going forward in the new year and help us see maybe what mindset do I typically fall under and how can I change to have the more spiritual mindsets that God wants us to have? So we're going to look at Luke 15 as the parable of the prodigal son. And so that's going to be our passage for today. And this is a pretty famous parable. I bet most of us here have heard this and read this not just once, but quite a few times. I know I've heard many sermons on this. I've preached this sermon a couple times before. I even know our very own Reese Needham gave a great lesson on this uh, probably several months back. I listened to it. It was outstanding. But I want to ask what he asked of you guys to act like this is your first time ever reading this parable. Because whether it's your first time or not, it truly is an astounding story that deserves the fresh eyes every time we 
we read it. And so, if it truly is your first time, you guys are in for a treat, because it is an amazing story. And it goes by many different names. Uh, the parable of the prodigal son is where I grew up learning it um, to be, but also it's called the parable of the lost son, the parable of the good father, the parable of the two sons. Um, I'll probably refer to the prodigal son for most of our time today. And before we start, what does prodigal mean? Well, what is that, right? Well, I didn't know, so I had to look it up. Here's the definition. It's a person who spends money in a recklessly extravagant way, spending money or resources freely and recklessly, basically wastefully extravagant. And so this is the parable of the prodigal son. There's two sons in this story, but the first one's a lot more famous than the, the, than the latter. And this gives us kind of a, a glimpse of what we're going to be looking at today. We're going to be looking at a son who's wasteful and extravagant in its spending. Okay, so let's start off in verse 11. And let's see here this first son and how he chose to achieve happiness. How he, cho- how he chose to pursue it. So starting in verse 11, Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estates. So he divided his property between them. Okay, pause it really quick because we already have a, a good amount of information here. So there is a father and two sons. And this is a parable. And for those who don't know, a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And so it's a story that we can relate to, but the figures and symbols here have a spiritual representation. So this father represents God, and the sons represent us. And so we first hear about the younger son. And he's a, he's a bold little dude. He uh, goes out and asks his dad for his inheritance early. If you don't know how those things work, usually you get that when your parent dies, not beforehand. But he asks for it right then and there. And what's crazier is that the father actually gives it to his son. So now this younger son is loaded with money, and let's see what he does with it. So verse 13, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth and wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to feed to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomachs with the paws that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. So what does the son do with his money? He goes off and he, uh, he squanders it. He goes off and he decides to leave his father's household and go live his own life, do what he wanted, which apparently included wild living, which could have been getting drunk, sleeping with prostitutes, uh, gambling, whatever he wanted to do. And this tells us what the younger son had in mind for his happiness, how he thought he was going to catch it. His mindset was, I will make my happiness. I'm going after it. I'm going to achieve it. I'm going to grab it. I don't need my dad's help. Don't need my older brother's help. I will find a way to make myself happy by doing what I want to do. And this is probably the mindset that most of us have, right? In order for us to be happy, we need to go out and make things happen for ourselves. Go get the next job, the next degree, the next relationship, the next trophy, the next victory, in whatever shape or form that's most attractive to you. That's how we're going to get happiness. But as most of us have realized by now, nothing is ever good enough. We always want more. And even the stuff that we do achieve, eventually its value goes away with time. And it tarnishes. And we eventually always end up like this younger son, 
once again being in desperate need of something good to happen in our lives because we were failing yet again in obtaining our personal happiness. And this younger son is definitely in need. He's so broke and so hungry, he had to hire himself out to be a, a servant of pigs, basically, and he still is hungry and wants their food. I know some of us might be step, step, skeptical and point out to the fact, well, yeah, but that son tried to achieve happiness through wicked means. I can find happiness by going after righteous, holy, and good things, right? But many of us have tried to do noble, great things and still find ourselves wanting more, right? You know, so I have not found happiness. It hasn't happened for me yet. You know, I'll speak briefly on a pretty unanimous, common um, New Year's resolutions, uh, I guess, topic in physical fitness. And so being an ex-college football player, I've had seasons where I was doing pretty solid in physical fitness, hitting all my goals and feeling great about myself but then not really feeling great about myself because I always wanted more. Probably the peak was uh, my summer going into 2013, my sophomore season. Um, I was super motivated to work out a lot and actually watch what I ate because the year prior I was a freshman and I went from being the best player on my high school team to being the worst player on my college team and not playing at all, and that was discouraging. And I also realized, I mean, I, am the, I have the highest body fat percentage of all the linebackers in my, on my team, and even higher than some linemen. <laughs> if you don't know much about football, that just means I'm really fast, okay? So, <laughs> so for the first time ever, I really worked out really, really hard and watched when I ate. And guys, I, good things happened. <laughs> I got stronger and I lost about 10% body fat, which is, again, it's, it's a big deal. It's a lot. And for the first time, you could maybe even call me lean. It was, I mean, it was... I was feeling great, and the coaches noticed, and I got to start traveling with the team, and I got some playing time, but then the second game I played in, I got hurt, and, it, and that was my career-ending injury. I blew out my knee, and that was that, and it was funny. I, I actually regained my body fat right then and there, <laughs> and I also lost my strength, and so a year prior, Yes, I might have been fat, but at least I was strong. Now I was just fat and I was weak. So that's not, a, that's not a good combo, right? And so that was a really discouraging time in my life because I had to work so hard to get to a certain spot on my physical physique, and uh, it was all for naught. And even during that time before my injury, it wasn't like I was ever actually truly happy. I'd hit a personal record in some type of weightlifting um, and be like, sweet, that felt great, but then I want the next lift and want the next body fat percentage and, and just want to keep on going and going and going. So I was never truly happy. I was still trying to chase my own personal happiness. And that's just one aspect of my life. I can go up here for hours and hours and talk about all the ways that I've failed at obtaining lasting happiness in any area of my life. Get a good grade, want a better grade. Get a good job, want a better job. Preach one good sermon, want to preach a better sermon. Because I am a doer. And like this younger son, I want to believe that I can go off on my own and do enough in this world to make myself happy. But every time I end up wanting more. And this is the downfall in this specific mindset. The downfall is that it's, impossi it's impossible to achieve. We cannot do enough to make ourselves happy. 
And this younger son realized that. Let's see what happens in verse 17. Luke 15, verse 17, picking back up here. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So, the younger son comes to his senses, wakes up, realizes how unhappy he is, and how much happier he was with the father. That's key. We'll come back to that later. And it didn't even matter for him that he was, maybe couldn't be his father's son anymore. He just wanted to be in the house as a servant. And so he goes back. And let's read how the father responds in verse 20. So verse 20, so he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring your best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. So his father is incredibly excited to have his son back. He runs out to meet him, hugs him and kisses him, ignores his son's request to just be a servant, and throws an impromptu party with the roast beast and all the works and celebrates the return of his lost son. The scriptures don't say how the young son responded to his father's kindness, but you got to bet he was probably pretty happy. He probably found some sort of happiness being back in his father's arms and experiencing his warm embrace, realizing that his dad still loved him despite all he did. And we'll come back to talking about the father really quick here, but I want to go on to the older son because the older son has a different response. That's how we get our second mindset here and how the older son was going to pursue his happiness. And so Luke 15, verse 25, let's keep on reading. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near to the house... He heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has come back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your wealth with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So unfortunately, this older brother wasn't that thrilled to have his little bro back home. In fact, he was angry that his father threw a party for him. And when the father goes out to inquire as to why, why are you so angry, he tells him that he thought all along that his service to his father roared to him great honor, far greater honor than the little brother who left his family. And so the older brother was amazed and shocked that how dare my dad 
give a surpassing, surpassing great honor of this party, killing this fattened calf for this son, when I had worked for greater honor. So basically, this older son's mindset, his ide- ideology on how to achieve happiness was that God will give me happiness. If I work hard, give great service, remain faithful to my father, he will pour out more blessings than I can ever handle. And those blessings will make me happy. This is what the oldest son was banking on. Let me just be a good son. My dad will take care of me. He'll give me all the parties, all the gifts, all the cows I could ever want. And when that didn't happen for him, he, uh, he got upset because his pursuit of happiness didn't work out for him because his father wasn't giving him the happiness he sought after. You know, can any of us relate to this? I look out of the crowd, and many of you seem to be good Christians, right? <laughs> Kidding, you can't tell a good Christian from the outside. It's, it's an inner thing. But I know some of you guys here, I know that many of you guys have been faithful for a long time, so a lot of good Christians in this room, how many of you guys have gotten everything you've ever wanted God to give you? No one, right? It hasn't happened. Every green light, every sunny day, every promotion, every luxury— Everyone you've ever wanted to become a Christian became a Christian? That's going to apply to no one here, right? But despite that not applying to many of us, many of us still have a bit of that mindset within us. That, hey, if I remain faithful to God, God will give me happiness. He will give me the good things I desire. And we know the scriptures that tell us otherwise. We know that living life as a Christian is still almost just as hard as being a non-Christian. Still comes with trials and tribulations. Life will still give us trouble. But we still want to believe that if I just stick it out, God will give me a good year coming up. I'm probably due for one. I'm, I'm due for a good year, right, God? You know? I have felt that in so many different areas of my life. I know uh, dating was a funny one. I know for me, uh, my freshman year going to college, I have thought, okay, God, I gave a really good couple years in high school. You know, I encouraged all my sisters. I didn't go to any crazy wild parties in high school. Didn't date any worldly girls in high school. So I'm good to go. I have arrived. I'm 17 now. I'm definitely mature enough. So give me the girl. I'm ready. And I was discouraged and shocked when freshman year went by and, and no girlfriend came my way. And my sophomore year, same thing. And now I'm even more discouraged. I'm actually upset and angry because my peers have also have started dating. I'm like, God, what? How can this be? I'm way more spiritual than that guy. <laughs> that guy just became a Christian. I know so much more Bible than him. What? How does that guy already have a girl and I don't? And guys, even now, I can feel that way in my own, in my, in my job as a campus minister. All right, God, I'm, I'm working hard, having my times with you, reading my Bible, praying, sharing my faith a lot, in a lot of Bible studies. Where is the growth? Why isn't the campus ministry growing the way I want it to be? And why are other ministries growing more when I know that campus minister, he does not work nearly as hard as I do?
Just being honest here, guys. Right. I could fall into this trap. If I remain faithful to God, he's going to give me happiness. And he will give me all the things I want and desire in life. But the downfall of this mindset is similar to the first one. Because even God can't give us, even if God gave us all the things we want, same problem, we still want more and more. Never actually achieve happiness there. But this one's even worse because not only can, can God not give all the things we want that will make us happy, in the same way, us having this mindset does not allow us to appreciate all the stuff God's already done for us. And it leaves us feeling ungrateful. And this is what the father was trying to tell the oldest son. He's like, hey, you are always with me. Everything I have is already yours. But the oldest son couldn't see that because he was always wanting more from his father. You know, in the same way, God has already given you and so many people here so much greatness, so much good things coming from being a child of God. You know, eternal life, that's huge. Forgiveness of your sins, that's huge. Having a relationship with the creator of the universe, that is huge, church. And we have the second mindset of the older son that constantly wanting more and more from God. God, give me a better year. We forget that God's already given us so, so much. And we become spoiled little brats wanting more and more from God. And I fall in that category so much, guys. I constantly wanting more and more from God. Why should just be happy with what he's given me? He's given me so, so much. You know, he's given us a chance, we're, we're spiritual beings, he's, give, he's given us a chance to have an eternal home with him, but we're still focused on the temporary and on our earthly homes. So here are the two different mindsets. The youngest son says, I will make my happiness. So basically last year was poor because I did not do X, Y, and Z. Next year will be better because I will do X, Y, and Z, and I'll be happy. That's our first mindset. Oldest son God will give me happiness. So, that's kind of like, yeah, this year wasn't that great, God. Show up next year is going to be better. I think I'm due for one. And I look at my life and I can feel like the different areas, in some areas, I'm, I'm like the younger son. Okay, I need to do these things and I'll be happy. Other areas, okay, God, I've, I've tried. You just give it to me. <laughs> But neither one truly gives us lasting happiness. So what's the spiritual way to go about this, guys? What's the spiritual way to go after happiness? Well, I think we have to look to the Father. Because the Father seems to have things on straight. You know, we see the Father in the beginning of the story, and he seems remarkably secure in who he is. Very secure, very content. The youngest son asked for his inheritance, which would cause many of us to be like, who am I as a father? But he's like, sure, son, here you go. He has tremendous security in who he is. And then you see the young son return, and he just is so excited to just to share his joy and happiness with his son, share his security with who his son is, and bring him back into his into the home. And when the older son walks on out, the father again comes back out, incredibly secure wanting just to bring the older son back in to share in his security and share in his happiness. 
So what's the mindset of the father? It's, I will share my happiness. I'm already happy. Life is already good. Come into my life and share my happiness. And the beauty in this mindset is that it's selfless. It's not about me trying to give my own happiness. It's about me trying to give to other people. And every time that I'm in the holiday season, I'm reminded of how much, how great it is to give and how it's more blessed to give than to receive. That's uh, Acts 15, I believe. Um, Acts 20, verse 35. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Um, Paul quotes Jesus there. Because I honestly don't really remember much of what I got for Christmas this year. I don't. I probably should, but it's been a long flight. But I do remember how I felt giving the gifts I, I got. And I remember feeling happy when my wife opened up the different gifts I, I got for her. And it's like, yes, I, I did something good, Jake. I, I gave my wife in this way. And the father has it on straight. He's about giving to his sons. He acknowledges the fact that I have all I can want in life. Have a good home. Have a good job. Have good servants. I just want to give all I have to my sons. I want to go back to the whole definition of prodigal and what that means. Um, again, prodigal means being reckless and extravagant in your spending. And the best name I've heard of this parable wasn't the parable of the lost son. It wasn't the parable of the prodigal son. There's two sons, by the way. So it wasn't the parable of the two sons. It was the parable of the prodigal father. Because the father was reckless and extravagant in how he spend his love toward his sons. And his mindset was, I will share my happiness. And guys, that's the mindset that gives us true happiness. So how do we get there? Well, first off, we need to get happy. And how do we get happy? We, we get to God. Church, if you're not with God right now, you need to get to God. Because being in the house of God is what gives you true happiness. And I think if you're not there, you need to learn the lesson from the younger son and realize that I can't do anything apart from my father to bring me happiness. I can keep on wasting away here on this earth, going after all these different things, but I will never truly be happy unless I'm with my father. So step number one is just getting to your dad, getting to your heavenly father up, up in heaven, being back in his home. And secondly, if you're there, it's time for us just to be happy. We've made it. We've made it to the house of God. I love Psalms 84, verse 10. It says, Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Again, that was Psalms 84, verse 10. That whole psalm actually is a great psalm about this concept of being in the house of God and being joyful in there. You know, I remember, um, this is a long time ago, I remember being young in high school, walking along with one of my classmates, one of my friends in church, and us pondering how it's possible for a disciple of Christ to be unhappy. We just couldn't understand that. Now, I have matured since then. I've realized, okay, there's some more things to that. <laughs> and depression can be a clinical thing, and it can be um, a chemical imbalance, and that life can happen, and it's okay to be sad. If life happens, it's sad. Be sad. Jesus was sad. It, it, that's okay. But there was so much to be happy about as a disciple. And a part of me wants to go back to just being that kid who's happy. 
and learning from the older son's mistakes and just being happy being in the house of God. And so those have got to be our New Year's resolutions this year, guys. If you're not with God, get with God. If you're with God, be happy. It's a happy year. 2018, if you were with God, it was a happy year. In 2019, if you stay faithful to God, it will also be a happy year. Now what's left, well, you can follow the mindset of your father and join him in his mission of sharing his happiness with others and showing other people what it looks like to truly find lasting happiness with your father. I want to close by watching this clip from Receive Happiness. This is the ending of the movie. So, again, that was the ending of that movie. He had just finally achieved his happiness, and he got the job he wanted, and he didn't brush it off. He allowed himself to be happy. <laughs> Gave a couple claps, threw a kind of half-hearted fist in the air. And then he went and sprinted to share his happiness with his son and embrace him. And that's what I want my 2019 to be like, church. I want to wake up every morning with my hands held up high, rejoicing in the fact that God has already given me so much, and truly be joyful, and then get out of my bed and go share my happiness with whoever wants to hear me. In closing, the first son was trying to make his own happiness. The second son expected his father to give him more happiness, but the father just wanted to share the happiness he already had. Let's strive to have the mindset of the Father this next year. And if you're not with our Heavenly Father, get there next year. Do some Bible studies, figure out what that means to be with God and what that looks like. And if you're already there, rejoice and be glad you're with the Father in Heaven. You found the greatest form of happiness we can find here on this earth. Now join your Father in His mission so that more and more people can experience true happiness and end that selfish pursuits and start the selfless pursuits of others finding their own happiness. Happy New Year, guys. Love you.